Welcome to the CTO Studio. I am your host, Nikolai Walker. Today, we are joining our guest, Igor Mamashin, who is the CTO of Agile Stacks. And through these segments, we've covered uh, the seven deadly sins of infrastructure as code. Today, we're going to focus on sin number six, which is hard coding parameter values, and sin number seven, monolithic scripts. Here we go. Yeah, that's uh, another one that uh, is uh, because we are limited on time, we will just uh, uh, put certain value into our script, like for example, let's hard code the uh, password and the name of the database, or let's uh, hard code the name of uh, the cloud region. Those are just examples, you know, but uh, uh, it results in scripts that uh, are difficult to uh, use, you know, to create multiple environments and uh, just creates a, uh, uh, a lot of uh, uh, security risk and environment-specific errors, right? Every time you apply this uh, script to a different environment, you are not uh, uh, often sure if it's going to work due to wrong parameters. You know, applying uh, a misconfigured parameter value is probably the number one problem in various types of deployment. And, and we're talking about scripts in the same way that uh, uh, a software developer might take shortcuts by hard coding, you know, global variables or parameters. Okay, yeah. It's exactly the same thing, is that uh, when you write uh, your Python code or Node code, you try not to put certain constants uh, into your code. We all know why, right? Same thing in infrastructure co uh, code. Constants, especially important constants like names of the databases or, for goodness sake, uh, passwords, should not be hard coded into this. When I think of a when I think of a Terraform script, now I I haven't worked with that. I've sort of just looked at it, but I haven't actually ever used it in production. Um, I think of just these scripts are like little. 20, 25 line little bash scripts, but it's not. <laughs> so, but we're talking about just hundreds of lines of code, right? I mean, we're not talking about simple scripts. We are talking about sometimes uh, thousands of lines of code. Yeah, yeah. Tens of thousands of lines of code. Are we are we creating class objects and instantiating classes and I mean are we coding to the level of there are no objects there that's the problem is that uh, the programming constructs are not as advanced as I would like them to be you know infrastructure as code is uh, fairly primitive and so uh, the technology around it evolves and uh, our effort at adjust X is uh, in that direction in fact to improve automation for DevOps automation. We, in fact, impl uh, apply several code generation approaches where we use uh, usable templates to automatically produce YAML so that you don't have to create it by hand. There are other tools like, uh, uh, you know, like Customize. Uh, it's another DevOps tool that helps you to take certain Kubernetes manifests and produce a version of them customized to a particular environment. So. The goal there is to reduce this manual effort of 
creating the scripts or putting the parameters in there. So our technology allows you to actually create a, a grouping of different scripts with parameters where you can pass input of a, um, output of one component as an input to another component and you can share state between them and everything. So what we do, we actually are working in the direction of improving this so it becomes easier to parameterize things and easier to modularize things because uh, yeah it's still not as advanced as uh, you would hope if you're familiar with you know python java go it's a lot better of course to code in those languages Now, is the constraint what? What's the constraint? Why can't I use the AWS Go package and codify instances and create method functions? And, and why? What? What is the? Why do we have to compile it down to YAML? Is it because of Terraform or cloud formation? Or, or I guess it's uh, uh, it's historical and also because it's a. Uh, it's supposed to be both machine and human readable code, and so you know we are stuck. We are stuck in this uh, uh, situation where we have to code both for the humans and for the machine to understand it. Ah, uh, so so the, now that's an interesting question: whether DevOps engineers are software developers or not. Uh, they are. They are. I'm uh, fairly. Uh, convinced that uh, they are. Can you be a good YAML? Can you be a great YAML scripter without knowing at all how to code? Probably not. Probably not. Uh, you see, that's the thing is that I think that we are getting to the state where uh, there is a lot more software development in uh, infrastructure as code than people realize. You know, and a lot of it. Uh, there's a lot more of it also happening is that we all think about DevOps scripts this is just a few hundred lines of code uh, most people are surprised to know that uh, uh, you know they have thousands of lines of this code you know and I'm not talking about duplication of scripts that we're gonna talk about it later but I'm just talking about you know uh, properly written modular code there's just a lot to cover we are creating entire data centers, entire environments with this code. We are deploying applications, we are testing them, we are promoting them. There's just a lot to cover. And so, uh, yeah, uh, there is a need to make it more automated. And I'm sure that over time uh, it will improve. We are still early days, right? If you think about it, cloud came to life about like what 10 years ago that's when the entire concept of programmable infrastructure apis to create your everything in the data center just came to life but it caught up pretty quickly right because developers loved that fact that they don't have to talk into anybody wait for anybody they can just write some code and it will create all the required infrastructure for them With infrastructure as code, can you also fire up a service if a service dies for whatever reason? Yeah, self-healing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's usually 
part of uh, any well-designed uh, infrastructure is called to make it resilient from failure. And there are many different uh, approaches. Uh, of course, Kubernetes simplifies a lot of these things because the uh, container orchestrator is designed to address those challenges. Is that uh, you are running uh, with a plan for failure, you know? But similar with uh, most other technologies, is that Amazon recommends you to write it like this. They they tell you that we do not guarantee that. Uh, zone level resources are going to be always available to you. You should not program for a zone level resources. At the very minimum, you should program to the region level resources. Well, let's take up the seventh deadly sin. And the seventh one is the monolithic scripts. So what happens is that uh, sometimes, again, in the rush to push our product out, uh, DevOps engineers will just create a single big script that just deploys everything and uh, uh, that's typically uh, not easy to maintain moving forward. So it's a red flag. If you see this, that's a red flag because what uh, what happens when this script uh, needs to be adapted to another environment or another use case? Oftentimes they will just create a copy of it and just override a few hard-coded values and uh, there they have another massive script. And uh, it will continue, and quite uh, fast, it will get out of hand. It will create this uh, uh, very difficult to um, maintain uh, ball of mud, so to speak. Yeah, so what I'm hearing you say is the negligence that exists in a world where one or two DevOps people point and click their way through setting everything up. They are the ones that you have to constantly go to when something is broken. That negligence can also exist in the infrastructure as code world through monolithic scripts. Only one developer knows what's going on. Uh, it sounds like the scripts, um, I think you said was YAML or transpiled down to YAML. You know, it, I don't. It's not a natural language for me to read. It's a little. Um, it's a little hard for me to to, to track with how YAML scripts work. Um, but you're saying that even in that environment, you can have negligence and hard-coded values, monolithic scripts. You can you can just have bad coding in that environment as well. It's very depress. It's very depressing, Igor. Thank you. Well, there is always uh, that next mountain. You you get on the mountain, you know, as you have you done hiking before, right? You get on the mountain, you think you're on top of the world, and then you see there is just another mountain right there, right? So, yeah. Where is this all going? I mean, you're obviously on the cutting edge of this by building, because you're building this this another abstraction layer, which is the stacks. You're You're pre-building a bunch of stacks that, are multi-cloud, multi-service, and helps people get going, I guess, in, in, in various domains. Do, do, you, do you have a, a sense of where this is all going? Well, it's how we got here, right? Uh, it's just the maturity uh, stage where we are. We are very happy that we can program infrastructure and write software that controls it. And now we're discovering that we can do it better. And the appetite comes 
sometimes after you start your meal, right? So now you just want to do it better and better. And uh, yeah, we learned that uh, in order to write your uh, infrastructure as code, you in fact need to apply software development best practices and uh, uh, cloud best practices and need to codify them. And it takes a lot of effort. Well, uh, our mission at Agile Stacks is to reduce the amount of that effort by providing reusable stack templates that you can use in order to speed up uh, your process of developing this code. So you can go from typical like six months it, take, it takes you to write it to literally a week and then you can customize it as needed. What I'm saying is that you don't have to start from scratch because starting from scratch is just doing the same work over and over again. In software development we use libraries, right? We would not program a particular uh, tree traversal algorithm every time from, from scratch or something, you know, hash function, we use libraries. Why do we do it in DevOps? Um, we can st uh, start building those libraries too, so that uh, we can be more efficient, right? So that's what we are trying to do. I love that, Igor. Um, I... I have a new respect uh, with helping a company. I have a brand new respect for how complicated things have become. And therefore, companies like yours feels like a savior to, you know, the just the CTO's drive to want to know everything in order to feel valuable. Um, I think part of the knowledge is not how does... DevOps work, but how to speak to companies like yours to get that stuff done. Thanks again for joining us here in the CTO studio. And thank you to Igor Mamashin, who is the CTO of Agile Stacks, who broke down for us so eloquently the seven deadly sins of infrastructure as code. For those of you who missed any of the previous shows, shame on you, but also let's do a recap so you know what you missed. So sin number one is security shortcuts. Sin number two is not implementing end-to-end -end automation. Sin number three is insufficient automated testing. Sin number four is ignoring cost optimization best practices. Sin number five is creating cloud junk. Sin number six is hard coding parameter values. And sin number seven is monolithic scripts. Now, I encourage you to go over and check out uh, agilestacks.com. Also, please go check out 7ctos.com. And for a continued conversation on this topic and others, head over to the ctostudio.fm. And as always, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. As always, we will see you next time.